0: Before we dive into the game itself, uh, two things we want to do here in the open. Number one, uh, just a heads up, uh, this is not going to be the greatest audio quality in the world. We're trying to get this out uh, to y'all in a, in a decent amount of time uh, here on Sunday. I just got back from Auburn. You know, airplanes are pretty cool. I, le- I, I got on an airplane in uh, Pennsylvania and was at my apartment four hours later. Uh, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty neat thing. So shout out to, shout out to air travel. Shout out to the Wright brothers. Uh, Painter does not have his mic with him. He was, uh, traveling this, uh, the, this week. He's been, he's been gone actually for a little while now and he won't be back to, uh, parts unknown, uh, for a day or day or two. So Painter's audio might not be the cleanest thing in the world. Uh, but he's working hard to get it out there to the people. Painter, bless the folks with, with with what you got, even on a even on a subpar setup.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you all for being here on what I know is a very trying day.
0: So, uh, the second thing I wanted to get to, we'll we'll talk plenty about the game. I and mean, we'll have you know, an hour plus to talk about this this game between Auburn and Penn State. But I want to ask you, Painter. You were at the game. I was at the game. Um, we we got an opportunity. I got an opportunity to um, see some folks that hadn't seen in a while. I had an opportunity to run into a couple old friends, meet some new folks for the first time in person, and then like randomly come across Observer subscribers uh, on my way to the uh, on my way to the press box. That was really cool. Um, didn't get to see everybody I wanted to. No, not, wasn't able to get to everything. But um, Painter, I know you were out and about. Went to the game. I thought the atmosphere was pretty cool. I mean, you know, I think there was a little bit of it where, you know, some Auburn folks might have came in there being like, okay, well, we've heard about this a whole week. Um, so kind of coming in with a little bit of a, uh, an antagonistic viewpoint of it. I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was a really cool atmosphere from, from the pregame to during the game. Um, and uh, it, 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 it was strong. It was strong.
1: Tailgating scene was great. The wideout was very cool. Uh, the environment, like we said in the preview, wasn't going to be the reason that Penn State won the game or lost the game, right. but it, there were some moments where it helped Penn State and just as a fan, uh, definitely a bucket list item.
0: Yeah, um, I think the, the whole environment, uh, the vibe, I think the best comparison I've heard so far is it's like Death Valley at LSU in terms of size and scope. I know beaver stadium is a is is bigger in terms of capacity and uh, they had just shy of one hundred and ten thousand there on saturday night uh it it, fe- it it feels like though penn state is like that that environment is like if L- it, it's like lsu except for the fans there love drinking milk uh instead of bourbon <laughs> i think that's probably the best way to put it uh because it is uh it, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool atmosphere but it's also kind of different that it, it, it's like a I don't know the crowds very big 10 ish like they can get loud and they got rowdy at, at some times but you know uh, I think in terms of pure volume it doesn't match you know if we can take our our, our southern pride here it doesn't match Death Valley or the Swamp but mean it's it all that people make a, all those people make a noise uh really 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 brings it Um uh, and uh the visual i think alone the visual of the whiteout was pretty cool to see um from my perspective i i, I, I wasn't quite sure where you were sitting pair. um uh, the rauburn fans the, kind of scattered
1: the nose project um there were like, okay i was in the corner well coming kind of towards the middle but you know it doesn't matter it was a great environment and uh we were across from the student section like the pom poms were actually like, I know people were sort of joking about oh the white pom poms, but it was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. And one, so, so they get to have the last laugh and that's really all that matters.
0: Honestly, it really is all that matters. Uh, they were, uh, I, w- I was seated at the far end of the press box, the one closest to the student section. So every time they got going, the press box kind of swayed a little bit, which I'm not a super big fan of. <laughs> It's just because it's just an odd feeling when you're when you're trying to cover a game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, one of those things where it's like, you know, don't know if Auburn will ever play at Penn State again, or at least in our lifetime. So, the you know, those of you who got an opportunity to go, I hope you enjoyed the trip. Uh, it seems like Penn State fans on the whole enjoyed having Auburn fans around. Uh, I think it'll be interesting when they come down to Auburn. I think there's the, the similarities we talked about between the campuses. Are, uh, are, are, are were, were kind of set when I saw it, like you could notice things. There is a literal barn right across the street from their football stadium, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but I think the one thing I wanted to say before we jumped into the game, though, is after going to Penn State, I don't ever want to hear any other person talk about how Auburn is rural. Because that place is in the middle of nowhere, man. Like it's like on the drive in from Philly, and I know some people came in from Pittsburgh, and you you were coming up from from DC, I believe, Baltimore, that area. It, it, there's stretches that are There they didn't even have lights out there. Like it was just like you were just weaving through mountain country. I mean, at least Auburn, you can say
1: it's picturesque, but but there's like really nothing there. Which is not yeah. like totally like you know Ole Miss is that way, Auburn to some extent, is that way. You're just driving down 85 Eight. or 280, but certainly Starkville is that way. But uh, you know, yeah, I don't think they could look down on us too much.
0: <laughs> it's even more remote than Auburn, and it's it's yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like Starkville in the mountains, I think, because you just kind of wind through, and it's like oh, here's a gigantic uh, school, and it's you know several hours from Philly, several hours from Pittsburgh, you know. At least Auburn's got Atlanta nearby, and like in the time that it took us to get from Philly to 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 State College, I mean, I could leave Auburn and hit several pretty decent-sized cities around there. So, um, but shout out to the to the folks at Penn State uh, for um, a pretty good environment, a, a pretty good game. Of course, it's more of a negative view for those of you who are listening to it to, about the game itself. And we will get to that shortly. Painter's already shaking his head with his eyes closed. he's he's uh, I think he's going through it. How, how you feeling? How you feeling this morning? It's a, the first first big trip weekends are always something to get adjusted to.
1: And I had a lot of fun up until the end. I mean, I think that's what else am I going to say. like it's just brutal, you know.
0: It's the Auburn Observer podcast, the weekend recap edition, Justin Ferguson right here painter sharpless from an undisclosed location in the American northeast hello painter howdy auburn falling to the penn state Nittany lions 28 20 on saturday night good game close game sloppy game stupidly officiated game gave you a lot of what the college football experience is all about uh in 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 a nutshell um, this was a game that i think it's interesting. We're, we're, we'll talk about a lot uh, in this in this recap podcast, like we normally do. I was listening to our friends over at Split Zone Duo on the way back in uh, from the airport today, and the vibe I got from Godfrey and and Alex, and I've I've seen this from other national uh, reporters. Our, our our buddy David Ubbin, who is uh, uh, now a national writer at the at the Athletic. It, 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 there's a positive tone or, or like not maybe not even positive but kind of like a kind of like one of those things where it's like yeah auburn you know not that bad in a loss like in a losing effort and i feel like that vibe is not necessarily being extended through the auburn fan base because i think the general consensus that i've gotten you know in the 20 something hours a little less than that um since the games been over, is that Auburn fans are pretty frustrated because this is one they felt like they should have gotten or they could have gotten, Um, and there's a number of reasons for that. I wrote about it in the observations on on Sunday morning. There's no reason to mess around here. Let's just jump right into it. The fourth and goal call from the two. So Auburn's down by eight. (laughs) few minutes left to go in the game. Big decision. They call a timeout. go to the sidelines and the play coming out of the timeout is this. They're going eleven personnel four wide. John Sandler-Shanker lined up on the sl- in the slot. Auburn has two receivers to the right side of the formation. They look like they're running some sort of rub route, uh, maybe like a post wheel, something to create a jam. Penn State likes to run a lot of man coverage and free up a receiver on the outside and score off of it. Um, The ball is snapped. Bo Nix immediately turns, lofts it up in the air towards Kobe Hudson. Hudson's in no position to make the catch. Penn State has it defended. The throw wouldn't have even... I think it was too much air under it uh, from what I can recall from watching it a couple times. Just not... It's a fade. and. No real ch- chance there. There's some contact. There's some, you know, things, get t- guys getting tangled up, but that ball didn't look catchable at all. Incomplete. Auburn misses the opportunity to score there and try to tie it up with the two point conversion. They get the ball back, but by using a timeout there and a timeout earlier in the game, which we will, or earlier in the half, which we will talk about as well, limited opportunities. They get one more chance doesn't doesn't work, falls short of the end zone, the attempts from Bo Nix, and Auburn loses. This, there's so many things we can talk about about this about this play call, um, and I, I think it's a situation where probably not the right call that we can say that the fade in that situation, and for for a number of reasons, and not even just like the fade's not a great call, like it, it's different if you have Seth Williams out there, you may feel a little bit better about it. Auburn doesn't have that right now. And I think one of the one of the stories that that, that we can weave through this game is that Penn State's got NFL receivers, uh, especially one in Jahan Dotson, who had a who had a great game. And Auburn ha- ha- could have NFL receivers at that, that position group. But right now, that group has a lot of growing up to do. Um because Right now, you know, against against good competition, against a good Penn State secondary, they had a hard time really commanding a, a ton in this game on a consistent basis. So in that fourth and two p- decision, you decide to go to the air, which would be a tough play, a tough throw, a tough catch. And I don't think all the components that, that that's not what you want to go to in that situation. Now, hindsight's 2020, but that's, I think, is going to be something that kind of sticks with Armour fans for a while. Ryan Harson said after the game, this is not just a play where there's just one option, even though Knicks threw it to it immediately. He said there were four, technically five options on that play. But it's worth noting that Knicks caught the ball, threw it straight up, went went directly to that, to that spot. Um, Tank Bigsby did not get the ball there. And Tank Bigsby had been playing an excellent game. Uh, and and helped Auburn, in a huge spot in the third quarter, come back into it. He looked visibly frustrated, from my perspective, up top. Uh, Holly Rowe, uh, who was on the sidelines for ABC, tweeted, and I think the tweet was later later deleted, but we saw it, that Tank Bigsby was frustrated eating at the ball in that situation. Part of that is being a competitor, and part of that's being a guy that's, you know... As good as he is, he's got a lot of confidence in himself. And I know a lot of Auburn fans are looking at that play. And, and you know, again, like I said, second-guessing decisions after the fact, you, you play the result. And there's going to be one here we talk about in the second where where it definitely is true. But you feel like in that situation, Auburn's better off giving the ball to their best player or at least giving an option to let Knicks run off of it too, depending on what the what the defense shows. And then live with the consequences, right? If you miss it, and you fail, you fail with your best shot. And a fade from that distance in that situation I Think anybody can tell you, it's not Auburn's best shot right now, but it's the call they went with.
1: You said to media members, fans, we play the result. And there would have been a contingent of fans if Auburn had run the ball, a tank and not scored that would have complained about the play call they have said well everybody knew it was coming but thanks the alpha on the offense and he's your best player and so it's easy to do what i'm doing now and say you should have given him the ball
0: you know if auburn has a chance to do it over again they might look at it differently harson said he wanted to kind of go back and watch it and see you know what what should have happened there go over it with And, and that's the thing it's Game three of a new offense is like you're gonna learn you're gonna you're gonna take these opportunities to get better from there um and 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 i think I think that that play right there is a microcosm of why it's dangerous. I think if you're an auburn fan uh, on Sunday- co- looking at this game and saying this loss is all on the coaches or this all else is all on Mike Bobo or Brian Harson, or even flipping it to the other side and saying, this is all on Kobe Hudson or Bo Nix or anybody who was covering uh, Penn state in defense, or it's on Derek Mason back to the coaching staff again. It's it's a, it, that's a dangerous way because usually the truth is the truth is rarely that black and white when it comes to football um it's a it's a game of collaboration. And there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of and a lot of parts that go into it. And I think Brian Harson said it best after the game, where it's like everybody on this team, coaches and players, everyone involved with this program, we have got to get better. We have a lot of work to do. And so I think the decision making in certain situations from the coaching staff is going to get a lot of deserved scrutiny there. But also, the players have to make plays as well. And too often, especially through the air, in key situations of that game, on both sides of the ball, Auburn did not do that. And this is where you see the growing pains of year one. That you're learning a lot about your team, and this these are tough lessons and tough pills to swallow. Um, and I get it. Like, you know, criticizing the coaches and the and the play calling, like, From my perspective, as someone who is involved in college football and considers himself a fan of the sport, I think it's better and much more, I don't know, it's more fitting to criticize the, the, the folks making millions of dollars than the unpaid players. But the unpaid players make mistakes and have execution problems as well. And I think throughout the night we saw that there were some execution issues Harson said it about the wide receivers after the game. Gotta be in the right spot. Gotta do the right thing. There were some times where Nick threw some balls or they were in danger, including the pick six. It looked like it was like That was a touchdown not only was that just uh,
1: so Bo right? like break on that one.
0: He averaged, uh I got it right here. He averaged four point seven yards per attempt on on Saturday. No
1: touchdowns and then got lucky with the no interceptions thing.
0: Yeah, and there were throws that Bo made in the game where I felt like it just misfired on some opportunities to move the chains. Um, there were drops in the game. There were times where guys were not getting open. It's there's so much of having a good passing game, it's collaborative. So often we look at the quarterback because quarterback's the most important position on the field, right? But the protection's gotta be there and the receivers have gotta do their job and they've gotta run the right routes and they've gotta be in the right spots and they've gotta work to get the ball. And the quarterback's got I mean, it's all gotta work in concert with one another. And too often for Auburn, one part of that wasn't working. Um and that was the thing, like I said, in this game, I think that the big difference in this game is Penn State has NFL talent at wide receiver. It remains to be seen if Auburn has that yet. Now, that's not saying guys like Demetrius Robertson or Shedrick Jackson or any of the dudes who played on Saturday night for Auburn have no chance. Guys can get better. Guys can develop. But early in the season, Penn State had a comfort level with Dotson and Parker Washington. Um, and Auburn, again, also against a tougher defense, doesn't have that at this point. So that that leads into, uh, you know, a lot of different discussions on that. And that's why I say it's like, you know, everyone's going to assign their own certain amount of blame. And inside the program, players are going to take it on themselves. Coaches are going to take it on themselves and have varying levels of it. But I think the danger here is putting it all on one person or even just coaches versus players. I think, like I said, like Harson said, like everybody involved with Auburn is going to be able to look in their in the mirror on, uh, over the weekend and say, I got to be better for us to have a chance to beat teams like this. Because guess what? There's a lot of those kind of teams coming up, especially with the way Arkansas and Ole Miss are playing right now. You know, that's, that's, these are the kind of games you gotta you got to uh, gotta be better at, uh, be better for in the future. The other play call, they got a lot of people upset. And this one to me, is where I push back on it's a bad call, okay? It's the first play of the third quarter. They run a trick play. Kobe Hudson, who was a high school quarterback, they try to get something going with him. It's obviously not open. Penn State has it scouted out or well-covered. Probably more well-covered because Harson said after the game, they they saw something in film. They said, this play right here will work if we can get it. But if it doesn't work, you just got to take what the defense gives you and live to fight another down. Instead, Hudson drops the football, a guy in an unfamiliar spot, drops the football, Penn State recovers, they score a touchdown, they go up by two scores immediately, early third quarter. If the play works, no one has a problem with it, right? If the play is not a fumble, people have less of a problem with it. But I think because it, it turned out the way it did, that's one that's going to get criticized a ton. People saying it's too cute a play calling, which, by the way, Penn State did quite a bit of that on its own on Saturday, especially whenever they ran the ball. Um that one I feel like is playing the result a little bit too much. Yeah, it's like, you know, you want to be aggressive in that environment. You don't want to play it conservatively, and if it works, you get praised for being aggressive. Brian Harson in the past, has been has been a coach that has been aggressive in certain situations of the game, um, especially early in halves. Also, uh, is a trick play guy. I mean, he was a, had a hand in two of the most famous trick plays of all time when when he was at Boise State. But I think that was the one there where it's like, well, maybe more of a conservative approach gives you less of a risk to turn the ball over in that situation. Yeah, if, you, if that's your argument there, fine with it. But if the play works and Penn State doesn't cover it like it does and Auburn's able to flip the field immediately off of that in a spot where they're only down by four, it's a totally different thing the fourth and, the fourth and goal play call is going to get a lot of scrutiny and and I get it I mean even with even if you want to say hey don't play the result there still like we said probably not your probably not your best shot in that situation like Oof. they were in the red zone when they when they took it over we talked about it uh to put it on twitter I put it in the observations the concept of the middle eight and I feel like I haven't done a great job of explaining that I've mentioned I've referenced it a couple of times in the past but I know we've got new listeners, we've got new followers, we've got, you know, there's a lot of information I throw out and a lot of numbers out. But the middle eight is a um, term, uh, it's been around football circles for a while. Bill Belichick's the guy who's really, really big on this. Um, but basically, if you win the middle eight, it's the best chance you have of winning the game. This is where a lot of football games kind of hinge. And it's the final four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third quarter, Right. So whatever happens in the middle with who gets the ball back and whatnot. But if you win the middle eight, you usually have a really good chance of winning the football game. And Auburn got flat out dominated in the middle eight because Penn State scores late in the second quarter. um, And Auburn doesn't really do anything with it. This is where the pick six almost happens. They give the ball back. Penn State throws a pick. On one of the few bad throws, Sean Clifford had all night. Auburn kneels it out and goes to halftime, but then fumbles it away to start the third quarter. Scores on that, fourteen nothing. We talk about EPA expected points added. I mean, just dominate. Just Penn State up, Auburn way down. And you had an opportunity in that situation. You're down four heading into the in the half, or you're you're down four with the ball back into your hands late in the second, or late in the second quarter. You think, okay, maybe you get aggressive here and you try to score and then you try to double up here in the, in the third quarter because you get the ball back. Instead, Auburn doesn't. They, they are fortunate and their defense comes up and makes a big play there late to make sure no harm, no foul there off of the near pick six and the three and out that came with it. However, what happens at the beginning of the third quarter changes everything. And even though Auburn had a chance to come back and tie the game late, and even though Auburn had a chance twice to to, to tie the game late, and they were in it to the very end in a big environment against a top-ten team away from home, primetime game, all that, Penn State took advantage of their opportunities. Auburn did not, and then Auburn handed an opportunity for Penn State to score. And you got to win the turnover battle. We talked about it. Which team was going to avoid the big mistake? Auburn made the big mistake, the big, big mistake in this game. And Penn State wasn't clean by any means, and they had their own fair share of issues. But, yeah, I mean, it kind of went according to plan. If you don't win the turnover battle in a game like this away from home, and you don't do some of the things that you talked about at the beginning of the game was going to be key in the matchup, it's going to be hard to win. So I think there should be some solace, I think, for Auburn fans at least, that they got down and they didn't fold, and they still had a chance late. Part of the reason why you still had a chance late is because Tank Bixby's still really, really good at running the football. Jarquez Hunter's really, really good at running the football. Auburn's offensive line can create some gaps in the running game. Pass protection still continues to be something that they're not flawless in, but it was better, I think, than than recent trips away. It wasn't like Bo was running for his life all game. Um, that's a foundation but man, they've got to get better at throwing the football uh, against quality opponents. Because if they don't, uh, a one-dimensional offense in this system is not going to like. You don't want to be one-dimensional at all. But like this offense is predicated on being able to do some of everything and do it and 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 execute it at a high level. Passing game's got a lot of work to do. Not only is the quarterback still trying to evolve and grow and work through his own issues, uh, your pass protection isn't super solid and. Your wide receivers are very inexperienced. And the big question mark on on the offense really looked like the question mark all throughout the game. Towards the middle of the game, it seemed like they went away from the running game uh, going downhill with Tank. Uh, Auburn's two touchdown drives that they had, they were pretty effective running the ball with Tank um, and Jarquez Hunter as well. That's something I think you go back and look and say, all right, You'd have a chance to do it all over again. I mean, and Tank still finished with a ton of carries. So even though there was that lull in the middle of the game, they still got the ball to him, you know, as much another 100 yard game for him. Maybe you see a little bit more Jarquez Hunter, who had only nine carries in that game. Maybe you feel a little bit differently about your running game if Sean Shivers is available just because of his experience. And it's another, you know, another good, talented body to work in there. It's Hunter and uh, Bixby's obviously. Playing really good football right now. Hunter's the same way. Um, And your offensive line. I mean, this is this was the case for Auburn last season. Your offensive line is it's at its best when it's running the football. And yeah, I think you know I think there were some times where Auburn was trying to get something going to you know keep that balance up. Um, But in certain situations and certain drives, and especially that fourth down call, like go with what you're really good at right now and then live with the consequences, it's the, it, 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 it's the going the other way that, that is, is, is frustrating. And I think the other part that's frustrating for that from Auburn's perspective is, on the other side, Penn State was doing whatever it wanted through the air.
1: I mean, and a career day for a guy was who, who is just not a particularly, just like Bo, has just not had a particularly good career.
0: Very similar to Bo in terms of overall numbers. Yeah,
1: but at the end of the day, you weren't yeah. going. Sean Clifford's going to be the reason that that Penn State wins this game, and it's like, well, him and Dotson were. Sean
0: <laughs> Clifford, twenty-nine of thirty, or I'm sorry, twenty-eight of thirty-two. There was one completion in that game that was from Dotson. Uh, he threw just four incompletions. One of them was an interception, uh, which was basically Kogan a punt. Yeah, it was like an arm punt late in the half, but it was an opportunity for Penn State to score. They at least were going to get in the field goal range if they kept going. Um, Another one was the intentional grounding on what looked like a miscommunication (laughs) between... uh, uh, Well, first, the miscommunication between Clifford and his receivers, because he lobbed it... I mean... Donovan, a joke, Donovan Kaufman, he overthrew Donovan Kaufman. Like that, there was nobody in the vicinity, and that was part of the reason why I was there. Problem is, is that it's, you know, it's like a sack when you do that. You know, we put it where, we put it where you made the, (laughs) made the throw, and it's a loss of down. Problem is, it's not an extra loss of down. And so when you do that on second down, that doesn't mean you jump to fourth down. It means it's third down. The, Something happened with the officials, and they just said, "Nope, it's fourth down." And so Penn State was forced to punt on third down. Or, well, not forced. I mean, they could have probably been like, "Hey, man, like, what, what the heck?" Um, but the officials were like, "Nope, it's fourth down. It's fourth down. It's what it says right here." And uh, they end up punting on third down. So Penn State, Penn State was on the end of some very questionable calls in that game. Auburn was definitely the fourth had the and one. McLain. Was the
1: fourth and one um, a first down in Europe? Oh, the fake punt. It
0: looked like he got it with the second effort. That's usually a call. It's a very judgmental, you know, subjective call where it's like, uh, forward progress is this. Um and it's it's one of those that there's never really a great definition. But I mean, that fake punt was telegraphed. If you're going to do that, just go under center and run the ball on 4th and 1. Just hand the, hand the thing off to Noah Kane. So yeah, I mean, that but then also Auburn there were we'll talk about it with the defense here shortly, but there were some times where it looked like Auburn's pass rush was not being very effective, partly because they were getting held a lot. Um, there were some flags that caught Auburn Auburn fans uh, <laughs> caught Auburn fans out a little bit. They were upset about it in both in the stadium and and online. And then, of course, there's a Kobe McLean targeting call. And I know there's going to be a lot of discourse around it.
1: Um, I, I don't. Well, I don't. Know. The, yeah. I mean, you know, first off, we can all agree. Why is it that they have to sit out another half of a game. That's dumb. Um, being punitive about things doesn't Dump. stop people from from making effort plays.
0: Right. It, it, that's just one of those things. Where you're caught in no man's land there, and it's, I I don't know what you're supposed to do in that situation. Right. And it didn't. It it wasn't malicious with its intent. Um, there's a growing push in college football, and it has been for several years, to do something similar to like soccer uh when it or or basketball well either one when it comes to uh targeting where if it's non-malicious and you know you can't you can tell it's not intentional um it's just a bang bang play you get kind of you get a flag that turns out to be kind of like a yellow card or a flagrant one in basketball you keep playing but it's a but it's a foul and it's a it's a it's a harsh one in terms of punishment if you do it again or if you have one that's very egregious it's a red card slash flagrant two. Get them out of here. Um, there's really no evidence that I can find that targeting and head injuries are down. That they've made this rule so punitive. Um, I hope it gets changed because not. All, I mean, I, I hate the rule in general. That it's it's just bad. It hasn't seemed to really do anything. It, it makes a really subjective. Call for an official and a replay official. When then you start making like you start looking at things on a molecular level, it takes away kind of from the spirit of the game. Also, but either way, Auburn suffered from that because not only was the Kobe McLean ejected at that point, and they end up scoring a touchdown shortly thereafter on the ground on a third and, a third and goal situation. Owen Papo left the game with an injury of some kind. No update there uh, as of yet. Um, so you were down to Chandler Wooten who had a good game and made a lot of tackles, especially run support. And Auburn's run defense was really good. I mean, uh, Penn state averaged just 2.8 yards per carry, you know, Auburn had a lot of tackles for loss in that game. So I think in, in terms of run stopping, you did exactly what you wanted to do, but key situations that hurt not having your linebackers out there and, and hopefully, hopefully football will change on that because I mean, I don't, I personally don't care at all if he's wearing an Auburn uniform or Penn State uniform or an Alabama or Florida or any kind of uniform. Zacoby McClain's not going to be able to play the first half of a game against Georgia State, a game where, as we will get to here very shortly, Auburn's going to need to tighten a lot of things up in defense on the back end, and you're not going to have that because if you get hit with the magic words in the second half, you miss the first half of the next game because that's how ejections work in every other sport, you know. It's not like in baseball, if they they eject an umpire in the seventh inning, it's like, well, then now you have to miss the first six innings of the next game, but we can call you back in in the seventh inning of that. Like, no, it's stupid, but college football does it. Um, That sounds as good of a segue as any to talk about the defense, huh? Like I said, the run defense was good. I mean, a lot of tackles for loss. Penn State wasn't able to get a ton going on the ground. You would have loved to have made that stop there on Kane uh, late that ended up putting Penn state up by eight. Um, again, I, I got some grief over on Twitter, but if you're up seven, go, go for the two, try to go up nine instead of eight. That's just an analytics thing. Uh, it's not, it, it, it it's I'm not fixed. something that you a lot of people. You can put the game away.
1: Right. Can, like you can just kind of end the game
0: right there. Coaches aren't going to do it very often, especially college football coaches. It makes a ton of sense in the NFL where the extra points are a lot longer anyway. um, But, yeah, anyway.
1: Trick myself with this defensive line? Did I just tell myself what I wanted to tell myself? Dude had plenty of time to throw to his talented receivers.
0: On the opening drive for Penn State, he had one where, or either, at least in the first quarter, where he had like 10 seconds to throw the ball. And it, it was one of those things where Penn State fans are nervous because Clifford usually does something weird with all that time, but he didn't, and he ended up, there I'm going to have a film room on Monday um god willing uh that is going to I'm just going to go back and watch all of the past attempts from Penn State and see what happened with the pass rush what happened with the coverage because yeah it's something when you're giving up a high rate of completions but keeping everything in front of you when it's Alabama State and Akron and you're not giving up big plays those dudes are a lot better than that. Like we like we said, wide receivers are NFL-type of players. They had tight ends that got completely lost on, on some plays for for big gains. And, you know, Auburn's playing more off-man covers. They're playing more zone in general. They're changing things up. But the pass rush, that was the thing last season. Like, can you get a consistent pass rush going? And they did against Akron. They didn't quite as much against Alabama State, but Alabama State was playing a lot of quick game. But it, it's not like Penn State was just nickel and diming them. They had some big throws downfield in this game, and Auburn was the, unable to keep it, up with them in coverage or get a, adequate pressure on Clifford. And the one time they did get really good pre- pressure on Clifford, he throws the ball into danger and it's picked off. But Auburn can't do that on a consistent basis, and in the end. They give up a ton of yards to, like you said, Painter to a quarterback who has not been particularly good in his career, and this is an issue for Auburn. This is a real problem. Um, they can get better at it. We we have seen defenses get torched in the past at a number of levels and bounce back and have better uh, improve throughout the year. I've seen. I'm, I mean, I've seen Alabama do it a few times for for one. Um, I've seen Georgia do it a few times as well. But I think we're, we're watching Auburn's defense, especially in the back end, not be at its best in this transition from instead of playing press man pretty much every play or most plays to more zone, more off man, and guys are getting open. And it's one thing when you give up a ton of completions and you keep it all short and you keep everything in front of you. Penn State got some mid-tier, you know, intermediate throws downfield that guys were running open on. And that is an issue. That is a big-time issue. And I am very interested to see what Auburn does in going back to the drawing board, Derek Mason, Zach Etheridge. I mean, the whole defensive staff in general, because as the Kobe McClain said after the game, or I'm sorry, Chandler Wooten said after the game, he said, everybody's got to get better at covering. linebackers got to do it corners got to do it safety's got to do it everybody's got i mean it's a it's a full team effort because when tight ends are running free and slot receivers are running free and outside receivers are running free that's on everyone and then from the defensive front it's you're not getting adequate pass rush so whoo i mean if you want to talk about the red flag on this team right now this is it i feel like the offense continue to get better and develop and grow and you know sort out some of the big mistakes that they made in this game. The the pass defense, it can turn around, but I mean, it was when you give up a high rate of completions against some bad teams, you give up a really high rate of completions against a really good team. Yeah, this this Auburn defense, you know, it, it still has got to do better. And sometimes Auburn rushed 3 and it was not getting home with 3 and your coverage, like, so the thing is, when you rush three, the whole thing is, as well, if we're dropping eight in coverage, we'll keep everything in front of us. Guys will get, get you know, covered well, and it'll be hard for the quarterback, especially one of Clifford's style ilk, uh, to, you know, find the right guy and make plays. That wasn't happening. That wasn't happening. He knew where to go with the ball, and he was making good plays, and he had he had a lot of time. I, and again, like I, uh, I'm i going to go back and watch it, and this is a good time to plug The Observer. If you are a listener but not a subscriber yet, there will be a film room out tomorrow where I'm just going, how many times did they try to pressure him? How many times did they send extra guys? How many times they blitz? What was the coverage looking like there? Um, because it was just not good all the way around, and this is a defense that's used to, and was really good at times in playing pe- press man coverage the last few seasons. They're not doing nearly as much of it, now and that transition is not been a smooth one not been a smooth one there was there's some part there's some aspects of this defense that have worked in the transition especially at the linebacker spot and obviously there's some stuff of the transition that is working early on offense it's it's a big time work in progress on the defense at the very least is there anything else we want to hit specifically from this game that we haven't gotten to yet? Um, I think because we'll talk big picture here real shortly, but I, I I'm trying to think if there's a moment or the, the fourth and one the decision to kick the field goal on fourth and one uh, drew the ire of some of some fans. Um, I think that question was about to be broached in the uh, in the interview. Zoom after the game, but uh, they, I got cut off quickly, and that was a there was a never tough little difficulties left and right there. Um, so it was a, it was a tough night for for those of us trying to get questions in. Um, it ended up not hurting them because Penn State only went up by eight, and you didn't score a touchdown anyway. Um, but you would have had to have gone for two in that situation. I that's something I, I wonder if they look back, if they feel a little bit better about running the ball. Maybe. I don't know. And I guess that that kind of compounds the frustration where you don't go for it on fourth and one and you kick the field goal, and then you don't hand the ball off on fourth and two when you know the running game's going well. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's another decision I think we haven't talked about yet. That You know, it ended up turning out okay in the grand scheme of things. But I think, considering how aggressive Auburn w- is at some spots, uh, I think some Auburn fans were were wanting to see, see something different there.
1: I think we hit it. Bose still inaccurate. Tackles still struggling at times. Receivers not getting consistent separation.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those things where it's it's getting close to must win territory uh, for year one because. Like I said, Ole Miss and Arkansas look a lot better than we thought. They and we thought all, Ole Miss's offense was going to be good, but their defense looks better. Arkansas looks better as a team as a whole. It could get it could get real sideways uh, real quickly. By the way, hello, Georgia. You better win it all this year. And I know that might be presumptive to say, and I might be overreacting to the way Alabama played after the first quarter against Florida. But, yeah, this feels like their chance if, if they're going to have one. Um, so... Let's pause right here before we wrap up with some kind of big picture thoughts moving forward uh, to do a little business. Number one, subscribe to the Auburn Observer if you haven't already. If you're in a position to financially, $6 a month or $60 a year. I know a lot of you who are listening already do. Uh, We are very, very, very close to 1,000 subscribers. We might get it here in the near, near future, uh, and that would be very cool for us. Uh, and we thank every one of you who supports the show um, that way and supports the newsletter. Like I said, I'll have a film room out on Monday, so if you're interested in that, it'd be a good time to sign up there. Auburnobserver.com, sixty dollars a month, sixty dollars a year. Not only do you get every newsletter sent to your inbox, but every time we put out a new podcast, you get a news, you get an email alert to that as well, and you get a bonus podcast where we preview once a week, usually on Thursdays. But we know some of you are continuing to listen for free. Um, maybe not in a spot right now financially to to pay for the Observer, but you enjoy the show and you enjoy what we're doing here on the weekends. If you are one of those people, Painter, tell them what they can do.
1: Rate, review, subscribe. Your support has been tremendous. Got to meet up with a few folks in Happy Valley, but I missed a lot of you. Cell service was rough so if you reached out and i didn't get back to you know that it wasn't intentional i tried sending messages that didn't go through thank you very much to all the people who are supporting us whether it's financially or by being awesome um and getting the word out about the observer
0: and if you want to support our podcast uh like painter said rate review and subscribe it helps us uh helps us get found easier by auburn football fans um just go search on uh, Apple Podcast, search the Auburn Observer, scroll down to ratings and reviews, and type in a nice little review, five stars, and a nice written review means a lot to us, not only because it makes us feel happy and good, and we read them out here because we're vain people, but also, uh, it, like I said, it does help us uh, uh, get more traffic and more people on our product. Uh, here's a new review we got from ben, sorry, B. Ingram, almost said Ben. B. Ingram95, Ben Ingram's the guy who uh, is the radio guy for the uh, Braves. Um, he says, uh, his review says, I'm a better fan for it. Best podcast to go subscribe to. It's worth it. These two guys bring a lot of knowledge about Auburn football. So shout out to you, B. Ingram. Shout out to all of our friends uh, who we met up with over the weekend. Some, of them, some A lot of you who we didn't have a chance to get up uh, with. We appreciate you guys, your guys' support a ton. A couple other things. Want to shout out our friends over at the War Report. Uh, check them out uh, for a lot of on YouTube for a lot of uh, Auburn football discussion uh, here in the days ahead. SEC games coming up. There will be a lot of stuff coming out on the War Report on YouTube and Painter. This is a big day for us once again in our in our podcast. Fine history. We've only had one sponsor ever, and they're back. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to tell you about the good friend, our good friends over at Homefield Apparel. Uh, Homefield Apparel helped us really get started uh, very, very early on. Uh, we're, we're big supporters of the Observer and helped us get it launched. And uh, Connor and the gang are back with us again. We'll be telling you, good folks, each week about Homefield Apparel. Homefield. If you don't know about Homefield, it's the premium collegiate apparel brand. A ton of vintage designs. Uh, and most importantly for our listeners, a lot of Auburn stuff, a lot of good Auburn stuff there. Painter, as you can tell here, I am currently wearing the Homefield branded hoodie, the most comfortable hoodie I own right here. No doubt about it. Um, it's almost, the weather's getting a little cooler coming up here. Hoodie time might be a little bit cooler where Painter is in parts unknown, I'm about to make a little run here on Homefield here shortly and, and stock up on some hoodies. Auburn fans, there's a lot of good designs on there. Painter, you've got a couple of you got a couple of uh, Homefield uh, Auburn uh, designs in your uh, in your wardrobe. Tell the good people about your experience with a good brand.
1: So here's the situation.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, if you don't know, Big News Saturday they put out a new. They've been putting out a new school once a week. Auburn was in the original uh, uh, Big News Saturday last season. Uh, West Virginia on the board. Maybe some of you guys out there got got ties to West Virginia. There's some really cool country roads, uh, Mountaineer apparel there. But honestly, if you have any sort of connection to not Auburn. So, like, there's a lot of great Auburn stuff. Uh, I'm personally partial to the basketball uh, designs. There's one of Albie with the sailor hat, putting his whole arm through uh, the hoop, like he's Vince Carter. Uh, there's also a 1965 Auburn basketball design where Aubie's, uh looks like he's like trying to do something similar to like the Air Jordan, um, you know, pose. Uh, but if you have an affiliation to a school, large or small. There's a good chance homefield is already making dope apparel for you, so check them out. And then even not, there's some cool designs if you have no connection to the school whatsoever. I have over a dozen schools represented in my closet for homefield. I'm telling you folks, if I could just have nothing but homefield and make that my make that my whole closet, I would do it because it's the most comfortable and the coolest looking collegiate apparel out there. Homefieldapparel.com is where you go to check it out, and we've got a special for you. Your first ever order at home at Homefield use the promo code Observer when you check out. You get fifteen percent off your first purchase with Homefield Apparel. So if you haven't tried them out yet, Observer gets you fifteen percent off. Go buy you some Auburn gear. Go buy you some West Virginia gear. Go go buy you some anything gear. And like I said, I'm about to I'm about to go on a hoodie run here real soon um, because it's about that time of year. All right, podcast business. Over with. Let's wrap up the show, Painter, by looking ahead. We'll talk about Georgia State, big picture wise. Right, we'll talk about Georgia State, little picture wise, coming up. Big picture wise. I wrote about it on Sunday. I felt like this game, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not the end of the world. It hurts. It hurts the players. It hurts the coaches. It stings, as they kept saying last night. Uh, it definitely is hurting fans, as I know uh, Painter can attest to that right now. Um, but secondly, it's one of those games where you learned a lot about your team, and Harson's big takeaway after the game is we got a lot of work to do. We've got a team full of fighters, as, as Chandler Wooten said. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. They kept themselves in it all the way, even though the performance wasn't sparkling in the least, but this is a game where if you learn the lessons and improve from it, you still have a good chance to make some noise in the SEC West this year. But there's a lot of work still still to be done. How are we feeling about Auburn football Painter coming off of this loss at Penn State? An eight-point loss against a tough team who is now number six in the country and what is shaping up to be a crazy year of college football. But also, it's just a non-conference loss, and it's week three of the first year of a new era. I mean, at this point, at this point Arkansas looks like a better team than LSU. And... You know, that's that game's also going to be on the road. I, I think for Auburn, like, you, you knew the wide receivers were going to have to grow up this year, and that was an inexperienced, you know, mix of, 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 of options. I do wonder, moving forward, and I don't like to single out guys too much here, especially on a free podcast, but uh, a lot of throws to Shedrick Jackson that just didn't work on Saturday. Uh, Demetrius Robertson, they were trying a lot to get to him, and it it wasn't working as well. I do wonder there was seniority and consistency that helped you get there early and get you, and Javarius Johnson wasn't 100%, obviously, coming back from injury. I do wonder if they're going to use this Georgia State game to try to experiment a little bit more with that wide receiver group. You saw Zabion Capers get involved a little bit more in the second half. You've seen Malcolm Johnson Jr. get involved as well. I think it was telling that Kobe Hudson got some more opportunities after his mistake. He ended up being the most efficient receiver Auburn had on Saturday, um, so that's something to keep in mind. But Auburn's got to figure out how to rush the passer on a consistent basis against a good team. And you're not playing a good team next week against Georgia State, and, and they've got to fix this 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 pass defense. And I don't know what I don't I, you know defense is tough for me to figure out because I'm a moron, um, but it, it's even harder for me than offense is usually. And so I don't have all the answers or maybe any of the answers for for Auburn's pass defense. And I don't know if it's as simple as running more man, doing some more stuff that these guys are familiar with in the transition. But if Auburn's not getting consistent pass rush and they're sitting back in coverage, I mean, even a guy like Sean Clifford, if you give him a lot of time, he's going to have a real good chance to pick you apart. And that's what happened on Saturday. And look, they're, you know, Clifford is an experienced quarterback, right? And I know it's not smooth sailing everywhere else in the league, but you you, got to play Matt Corral later this year. You got to play Bryce Young. You got to play JT Daniels. You know, uh, Max Johnson's not a slouch at all at the quarterback position. You know, if if they
1: can make Sean Clifford look that efficient, what's to say that Max Johnson can also have a career day? Um, You know, I, I think like Auburn's defense, as we've discussed, it's got some real strengths to it. And it's going to be serviceable, if not good, against teams in the SEC West and, you know, South Carolina. Uh, I think, like, Mississippi State, South Carolina, like, they'll they'll be fine. But what happens when they start playing? Because, you know, Penn State's offensive line has not had anything to brag about, particularly. No, pass protection has been their big issue, and Auburn couldn't do anything with it. So what does that look like when you start playing even better offensive lines with even better quarterbacks? And I think and I the think, obvious answer right now is it could be a problem. And
0: I think if you want to take an optimistic view here moving forward, if you're an Auburn fan, let me talk to you, Auburn fans, painter, uh, uh, try to take more of an optimistic view here. The thing that might help Auburn in this situation is that both on offense and defense, again, decision-making, a lot of that's being questioned by the head coach and the assistants and, and the coordinators, all that on Saturday. And, you know, that's – those guys know what, what's happening when they sign up for it, right? And that it's going to happen uh, from the fan base, and this is the first—this <laughs> is the first chance anyone's had anything really negative to say about Brian Harsin uh, in the season, right? Like, you blew out the first two teams you played.
1: The first um, two weekends were a love fest. You know, the honeymoon was was fun, and we knew this was coming because we we knew Oliver wasn't going to go undefeated. So it was like at some point the fans were going to be mad, right? I think the one
0: thing you can take moving forward and a bit of optimism is, is that this offense and this defense, Mike Bobo and Derek Mason, and under Brian Harson, his whole big picture view, is that you've got to be able to do some of everything. Which means, if you're fixing your game plans and you're adjusting what you're doing moving forward, it's not like you're married into something where it's like, well, sorry guys, this is all we can do, um, you know. We're not, we're not evolving, we're not adapting, we're not changing because this is the way we run it, and we're going to run it, by God, until, it, until you know they get rid of me. This is not, that's, that, that's not what this, what this offense or this defense is. These are, these are multiple. These are varied. Um, and part of learning early on in the season is what your team is good at and what your team's not so good at. And it's tougher to learn those lessons when you're coming off of a loss and you, in the big picture, would love to learn those lessons after a win. But I think if you're in Auburn's shoes right now, you, you, you have to look moving forward and say, okay, this is what we're doing on offense and defense. This is what we can do. This is maybe what we should do. And we have room and time to change it, right? So this Georgia State game coming up is where you're. I think you might see tweaks and you might see adjustments and you might meet, see some new faces and some new spots and changing things up. And look, Georgia State's going to probably get hammered. This is, I think, Georgia State's like a 26-point dog opened at it or somewhere along those lines. Um, so yeah, I mean, they go out and blow out, you know, Georgia State. No one's gonna be impressed. It's gonna be like the first two games, right? But there's time to get better and learn, and there's this sense from, from what we heard from Harson after the game last night that everybody's gotta get better. Coaches, players, everyone, offense, defense. This one stings. You got to do more. You got to do better with the stuff you can control. And yeah, there's just a lot of work to do. There's just a lot of work to do with this team. And you're three weeks into a new era, right? It wasn't going to be smooth sailing. We knew that. Um, So it's going to be, this is going to be a test to see, all right, you get punched in the mouth. What happens next? When the blood's, when you taste that blood, how are you going to react to it? And it starts really in 2 weeks against LSU, but in a certain sense, it starts this week in the preparations heading into the Georgia State game. All right. Think we're good there. Appreciate you guys listening, appreciate you waiting on this podcast. Uh we were trying This is the first one we've had to do since we're both on the road. Um and it's a you know, we'll we'll figure it, we'll figure it out as we go along, but we're gonna try to have this out to you on Sunday evening. So some of you will be listening to this then, some of you will be listening to this on Monday. If you are listening to this on Monday, dot There's a film room out. If you're not a subscriber yet, it's a good time to to subscribe. You might be number one zero zero zero, and that would be very, very large for us. Um
1: we know that spot is coveted by at least one Auburn hold Observer. Ahead.
0: One hold out. One, one hold one. out. Yeah, that's
1: the
0: it. Yeah, wants to be the special listener that makes the jump. So who knows? You might be able to snipe them. Um, but there is a uh, yeah. There's a lot going to be up on the site over the week. Uh, our game week schedule has been pretty regular. Film room on Monday. Newsletters on Tuesday and Wednesday. Preview podcast for our subscribers on Thursday. Mailbag on Friday. And then the weekend observations and this here podcast so there's a lot of stuff going on auburneserver.com check it out like i said uh check out Homefield, check out the war report all that good stuff all right painter
1: final thoughts down bad baby down bad